Hey everyone, and welcome to this edition of FF Plus. This is a different voice than you're normally used to hearing. Yes, this is not Aaron White. This is his counterpart coming to you on this special episode of FF Plus, doing some reviews, doing some conversation, but I'm not doing it alone. I am with my good friend, friend of the show, Andrew Dice. Welcome back to the show, man. I am I am honored to be here. Thank you so much. Uh, I I could not refuse an invitation. And, you know, apropos of what we're going to be talking about here, happiest <laughs> of holidays to you. Thank you, sir. Uh, you know, great way to segue into what we're talking about. We are not going to be talking spoiler free about our favorite Christmas movies. We've done that before in the spoilerific environment with our main mainline episodes. What we are going to be talking about and this is going to probably surprise a lot of listeners, is Hallmark's Countdown to Christmas. And before you turn the dial, before you switch over to something and <laughs> kind of try to figure out, wait a minute, what am I listening to here? What is this is feeling film, right? Yes, it is. And this is FF+. And FF Plus is where we can kind of go a little crazy and talk about some things that may or may not be part of the, the mainstream of things. But now you're asking, why are you talking about Hallmark's Countdown to Christmas? What is going on? And where did you put your man card? Because this is just weird. So <laughs> let me give you a little bit of backstory, listeners. I was thumbing through Twitter about three or four years ago. And you know, Andrew is one of these guys that I follow. He's got some great insight. Uh, like I said, we've had him on the show talking about DC stuff. Fantastic conversationist. Lots of great stuff to say. And, and just a really just intellectual movie mind. I start seeing these reviews for Hallmark's Countdown to Christmas. Now, look, it's a staple in our house. My wife loves the Hallmark Channel. We actually pick it up heavily during the months of November and December because of Hallmark's Countdown to Christmas. She's a sucker for it. I roll my eyes. Well, let me say this again. I rolled my eyes. That's past tense. We'll get into that. And about three or four years ago, I'm thumbing through Andrew's feed and I'm seeing these reviews for these Hallmark movies. And I'm seeing like two star, three star. And I'm like, this guy's having some fun here. And then I start seeing like four and five star reviews. And I'm like, is this some tongue in cheek stuff? I see some things about drinking games, Hallmark drinking games. And I'm like, okay, I'm just going to kind of take this as fodder. Well, this year, I see that updated feeds start coming up with new movies and I'm seeing like legit reviews and I'm going, wait, what is going on here? And I need to get in touch with this guy and figure out what's going on. And, you know, the truth is I've actually become a pretty decent fan of Hallmark movies. Um, it, it's one of those things where traditions sort of come out of accidents Case in point, over Thanksgiving, we visit my in-laws and what once was Macy's Day Parade followed by football turned into Macy's Day Parade followed by the National Dog Show because that's just what came on afterwards. And now that's become what we do. Football has sort of taken a backseat, not really into the teams that play. And the same thing has sort of happened with Christmas movies. Instead of kind of defaulting to some of my favorites, you know, Elf or A Christmas Story or The Santa Claus, all of which I try to get around to, I'm usually putting myself in front of the television watching the latest and greatest Hallmark movie or maybe one from years past. And it was interesting because as I was kind of get, uh, getting into this, realizing that Andrew was not kidding. Andrew, you were not being facetious. You're not being tongue in cheek. Like these things are legit. And so what I wanted to do was get together with you for a little bit and just talk about what got you into it. You know, what, what is it about these movies that really just kind of make you happy? So let's just get the conversation started and let me get your history with the, the Hallmark countdown to Christmas specifically. 
Yeah, I'll also say just kind of doubling up on what you were saying there. If someone is suspicious or hesitant, um, I do think that the drinking game makes it worth it for anybody, uh, regardless of how interested you are in it. Um, Okay, so there's a default position if you do or don't that you're going to get some fun out of it. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Okay. It's funny, too, because um, <laughs> when I started my reviews uh, for context here on how long ago that was, I started doing them because Twitter had doubled their character limit um, from 140 really? to 280 characters. And okay. that was the only way I could think of celebrating that was was by um, discussing these horror movies. But even before then, I was aware of Hallmark Christmas movies before I had ever seen a moment of one. They were already kind of a punchline. You know, um, they they were so omnipresent, not watched by me, but typically I would see them talked about by um, like women who had gone home for the holidays and were watching them with their mother. And then I tend to always be curious of things that are seen as like um, chick flicks. You know, um, that was that was a saying that I think is used uh, hardly ever these days. You know, that like that term seems to have disappeared because uh most people want women watching anything <laughs> and anything that uh, a whole bunch of women can can watch and and typically is something that I as a fan of movies enjoy watching. And I think that is the thing that I want to set up here is I feel like good acting is good acting no matter where it is, if it is on stage at a community theater uh, or if it is in a, a a blockbuster, you know, comedy. I have a belly laugh that is exactly the same if the person is doing a gag the right way. The same goes for story, you know, well-written, good dialogue, chemistry between actors. There are things that I always really like about movies that are not even necessarily a romance, but just a movie that relies on there being chemistry, which these days is like everything. You know, that's in an Avengers movie. That's in a DC movie. If the chemistry isn't there between Christian Bale and Anne Hathaway, people are commenting on it, not stopping and thinking, wait, I shouldn't be talking about that because that's not about Batman and Catwoman. So I had heard of Hallmark Christmas movies. And then one night in December, my wife and I were on the couch and we were flipping through channels and we stumbled on this movie called December Bride. And instantly realized it was a Hallmark Christmas movie and put it on for a few seconds. And within minutes, we're so stunned by how many times the term December Bride was being uttered. (laughs) That we were we realized, oh, this is a spectator sport. This is not just a movie that we're passively watching here. And every time, you know, someone would say, well, well, just like your mother, didn't you dream about being a December? Right. We are like smacking each other and laughing because they just keep going back to this. Well, and it, and it was funny. They have to be in on the joke. It, it reached it yeah. at some point. Right. <laughs> that it is so over the top. And then it reached uh, a conclusion, you know, and was everything I would expect from a Hallmark Christmas movie. But we had had so much fun laughing at it and kind of and rolling our eyes as much, you know, definitely laughing at the movie more than with it. Like, I, I will fully admit that anyone who wants more details can look on my Twitter and see the score that I gave that film. <laughs> but that was also then followed up by a movie called, um, I believe, very soon after, you know, my wife said, well, we have to watch one of these Lacey Chabert ones because she's infamous for this. And the same with Candace Cameron Bure. So you guys, and that's the same thing we're talking about, right? It's like, oh, well, curiosity has me now. If I'm already in here, I need to see what people are talking about because Candace Cameron Bure is probably more famous for this now than she is for Full House. 
Um, this was yeah, before I, Fuller House. I should also point out exactly right. Exactly. So, <laughs> and um, and but then soon after, those were kind of what I would have expected, and they were very formulaic. But it was a movie called Christmas Cookies that was starring Jill Wagner. That was fantastic. She was a fantastic lead. The romantic opposite was just as well written and the chemistry was better than you usually get in my God, the CW shows, for instance, that I was watching at the time. And the story was well written. The supporting characters all did great. And the story ended up going a place that neither of us expected. And as would eventually be entered into our Hallmark drinking game, I'm invested. We realized how invested we were in the story and it ended and we thought that was great. That was a really good story well told well acted gave us all the quote-unquote feels made us look hit all the christmas notes hit all of the uh you know going home feel good notes that i would want from any movie or tv show and then we were like are we just watching all of these now (laughs) because this is (laughs) it is unlike any other movie or tv show it is active Not only are we active with the people that you are watching them with, but boy, oh boy, whether it is direct or you just get the impression, watching these movies means you have stepped into a community, a fandom that is a fandom that is more than any other fandom I've ever encountered. One hundred percent in on the joke. And that is the best thing. Everyone's looking for the same things and we can get into the specifics of what we like about them. But it was that feeling of. Oh, are we just Hallmark Christmas movie watchers now? <laughs> <laughs> Is there a club? Are there jackets being made? Because we need some, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, and you didn't just stumble onto this by yourself. I mean, this was you and your wife and enjoying this. This was co-op. Com- yep, this yeah, was a this multiplayer experience. Cr- <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> but but I think you're right. I think that for me, my experience was similar. My wife had it on all the time. And I started getting attracted to the familiarity of these yep. of these movies. There is definitely the Hallmark formula, just like there's the Pixar formula. Now, granted, the stories feel very original, but there are certain beats in each Pixar film that you know are going to get you crying or get you right in the in the gut in terms of your emotion. And I was talking to my mother-in-law several years ago about this, and she said, every Hallmark movie you have to look for – well, Besides the drinking game elements, <laughs> there's one thing that you that I think every Hallmark movie has among many, and that's the miscommunication or the misunderstanding. It's that twist near the end of the second act bleeding into the third yeah. that gets you the aha moment. And that's the game for us. What's the miscommunication <laughs> going to be? Yeah. How is this going to work out? It's not about, oh, that's the guy she's going to fall in love with or that's the guy that is going to dissuade her from doing this thing. All those things are very familiar. And I think that in and of itself is really nice because not only are you doing this communally, I couldn't watch a Hallmark movie by myself. I wanted to watch with my wife because we don't have a lot in common in terms of the movies that we watch. I, I say this all the time on our show that any chance I get to go to a movie with my wife and we have a even a half hour discussion, just matter of fact about it, that's a win for me. Because I love being able to connect on that level. This is just part of my world, watching movies. And the fact that we can do this two months out of the year because of just our general love for it. But also, as you mentioned before, having familiar faces. We 
we loved One Tree Hill. We we binged that together. And so now we're seeing <laughs> Bethany Joy Lenz coming out and uh, Hillary Burton, my girl Peyton Sawyer <laughs> showing yeah. up on one of these. And I'm like, OK, I'm going to watch this because these people are on there. <laughs> Katie Sackhoff was on one of these movies, for goodness yeah. sake. I'm like, oh, my gosh, you got Starbuck in a Hallmark movie? <laughs> yes, please. So it's these things that keep us moving forward. And I think, Andrew, the thing that I'm really impressed with is the volume of stuff oh, that comes out. Now, we're talking about one season, one you know two-month period, roughly, think, between Thanksgiving and Christmas or New Year's Eve, where there are movies after movie after movie, brand new. And they're pumping these things out like candy. And we're not even getting into like the spring and the summer and the, you know, the autumn harvest and all that good stuff. The fact that Hallmark can actually do this, you know, they're going to be duds. And based off of the reviews that I saw on your on your feed, <laughs> they range. You no, know, they're not all five stars. They're not all one stars. Some. Oh, of them, yeah. I think, I think one you gave you wanted to give negative stars because it was just <laughs> terrible. And, and I want to talk a little bit about your rating system here in a little bit. But I think that you hit on several of those things that really make the experience of loving Hallmark movies, especially at Christmas time. So special because they are communal. They're familiar. They're like that warm blanket that you curl up with because you know what you're getting, but you're getting a slight twist on things. And so just like the hero's journey is played out differently between Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter and Star Wars, it's those it's the way in which you get from beginning to middle to end that make it so worthwhile. And when you manage those expectations, and this is where I where I think it's great. We don't have to apologize for liking what we like. I hate the term guilty pleasure because you shouldn't feel guilty about things that you enjoy. I think the hallmark love that exists with anybody is a fantastic example of how we can appreciate what we like. And you said it best. If we're going to get technical, if it's got a good story and it's got good acting and those actors have great chemistry, it doesn't have to be that it was produced by a major studio like Sony doesn't have to bring you the best movies. Marvel doesn't have to be the end all be all of comic book movies. If a, if a movie has a great story and great characters and it's compelling and it hits you in a place that you're going to feel good after watching it or feel like you enjoyed that, that's all that matters. It doesn't yeah. matter that it comes on repetitively in a formulaic way. That can be a win. And so I think it's pretty fantastic that I've been able to and just seeing how you've been able to really latch on to that, because I think that that ideology should exist in the way we enjoy movies in general. And we talked about that on the show several times, just like what you like. But I think in the case of like the Hallmark genre, I'm going to call it a genre. Yeah. <laughs> Specifically yeah. the Christmas movies. There is a communal aspect of it. Now, I'm not sitting around a water cooler on Monday saying, did you watch this Friday's you know countdown to Christmas movie? I'm not doing that. but <laughs> I at least have connection with my mother-in-law, yep. with my father-in-law, and with my wife. And these are things that we just enjoy as part of our Thanksgiving get-together. And even when I go over to my parents' house, my mom's a big fan of it, too, that we'll just have it on. And again, it's just it's just good stuff, especially if it's one that we've both seen, that we can just have it on and enjoy it. And it's you know it becomes great background filler. But when a new movie comes out... We got the DVR going on if we can't watch it or we're going to sit down and we're actually going to enjoy watching it. Yeah, you see the teaser and go, oh, my gosh, Merritt Patterson is in one with Andrew Walker. That's going to yes. be so good. <laughs> yes. Right. Like the musical chairs of of moving these people around. And it is a case of I think that familiarity to it is. Um, I mean, it's why people like American Horror Story. Right. It's and right. why people like um, the haunting of Hill House and uh, you know Midnight Mass is like. Oh, I like seeing all it's like players in a company. 
there is that aspect to it. And they're absolutely, you might not be going to the water cooler, but I'm absolutely going over to my parents. And my mom is saying, tell, you saw the one with the girl trying to find the guy who lost the engagement ring, right? And I'm saying, how did they not, how did they, and my wife is going, oh my God, again with this. So, you know, it, it's as much as if you were watching, you know, a sporting event uh, or, yes, or um, yes. this would have been less weird in the era where like Lost was still on. Uh, or something, but, <laughs> exactly. but but this really is something where um, it is as interesting to watch how these characters are going to mix together, what kind of stories they are going to tackle. Like we were saying this in a year where um, one of Hallmark's headlining movies is Bruce Campbell and Peter Gallagher as a former like music duo that are now coming back for a reunion concert at Christmas. The romance is secondary in, in this one, really, but it is still about reuniting friendship, the holidays, and including like a, a unexpected punch where I, I I think I said this needs a trigger warning um, because this movie pulls no punches in what it's dealing with. It is totally that communal experience of knowing that. Um, Knowing so many other people are watching the thing that you are watching, too, and it's not <laughs> it's not the MCU or it's not a blockbuster. So there absolutely is um, an element to that of, of being like, you know, we're 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 the little guy, you know, we're the underdog. We're we're the ones over here actually just enjoying what we like. But at the same time, the writing, like I said, the writing and the acting is just as good that um, in, in for, for instance, I, I like all kinds of movies and, and TV shows and I have I cry very rarely uh, in movies. But there was a movie this year where a young woman found her biological father and in thanking his new wife, her, you know, her stepmom said, thank you for for going to all this trouble. And the stepmom said, we're married. So what's his is mine. And that includes you. And I don't get that. That's just for for certain people who have certain relationships with their parents. I think I called that like found family fantasy because it is just such that will knock someone out more than anything else has. And me as someone who doesn't connect to that idea personally still sits there and thinks, what a great line to put down on paper. What what an incredibly acted story beat and what a self, you know, respecting story that is being told here with merit to it. I think that that we're talking like shameless. Um, absolutely. I make jokes about like the best Hallmark movie daring to soar as high as like real movie <laughs> quality. <laughs> but at the same time, I mean, like 70 percent of movies that are made are are comparable to these. Well, and I think that's where maybe some of the disadvantage comes from in terms of perception for Hallmark is that Hallmark as a brand is very much about feelings first at the expense of whatever. So when you think of a Hallmark card, you think of cheesy, sappy, sentimental, that's going to make someone feel more like a poet than they should, as opposed to writing a letter to your to your wife or your husband, you're going to send a Hallmark card. You know, you care enough to send the very best. I think that's the slogan. Yeah. And then you also have this idea that if a brand is pumping out so much content, it must be crappy. And right, I think yeah. that Netflix has gotten that kind of stigma because they are starting to try to pump out as much original content as possible. And I don't fault a brand for doing that. I don't fault a brand for having an equal amount of misses than hits because if you've got the money, you've got the distribution to do it, do it. Because yep. at some point you're going to hit that. And this is where I think to contrast that, 
I have discovered that in the last probably two or three years, Hallmark movies are doing exactly what you're saying. They aren't getting away from that feels mentality, that idea of finding love or being able to have the, the cheese factor to it. But they're tackling issues, Andrew, that I think are pretty relevant. We watched one a couple of years ago called A Christmas Love Story, and it was with Kristen Chenoweth. Yep. And it was about adoption. And there was an interesting twist. The miscommunication was a pretty phenomenal twist that you didn't see coming. And you're like, oh, my goodness. And at the same time, like even this year, there's a movie called A Kiss Before Christmas. And it's about this guy who essentially deals with a little it's a wonderful life type scenario. He is living a life based off of a decision that he makes in kind of a dream state. And it explores this notion of what it means to pursue something that you think is valuable to you versus something that's valuable to the family that you've created. And I think that Hallmark as a film company has really evolved in being able to get beyond the boy meets girl, girl meets boy, having music in every scene playing constantly. I think that was the big <laughs> joke early on is you watch some you watch some Hallmark movies from like the, the early teens and late aughts. And it's like, when do they turn the music off? Because they yeah. need to stop. And you've got the little strings going, you know, it's like, OK, we get it. Yeah, it's supposed to be happy. And then you've got the pan flute coming in like your your snuffy Walden and West Wing, you know, doing that's a dramatic moment. And I think what they've done is you've got this evolution of writing that says, look, we can capture the hallmark feel without necessarily compromising by just creating this thing over and over again. Now, listen, I'm all for that kind of formula. I'm all for that girl meets boy, uh, the the opening shot of New York skyline, that kind of thing. I always look for those things, by the way. I'm like, okay, what's what's opening? Oh, it's 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 a small town. Okay, I guess that's the next iteration of yeah. Well, what's stuff. closing? Is it the yeah. mill? Is <laughs> exactly. it yeah? <laughs> yeah. And so you can appreciate that, but then you start getting into movies like this year, Next Stop Christmas. This is essentially Back to the Future, complete with um, <laughs> Leah Thompson and, and Christopher Lloyd. And Christopher Lloyd, uh, once again, not interacting with each other, but being in a movie. I think this has happened like six times, according to IMDb trivia. Yeah, but. It feels a lot like one of the the earlier kind of Hallmark movies, but at the same time, it creates opportunities for, I would call it more mature storytelling. And so I would say Hallmark has become this brand that is not afraid to try new things, to try new avenues without losing its identity. And I, I don't know that there is a film company that... I'm not saying that there isn't, but I don't I can't recall a film company that has evolved, but has maintained the core of their brand, the essence of their brand. And at the same time, has gotten better at execution. Maybe the Geico uh, commercials, <laughs> like the I marketing mean, campaigns on those are always fantastic. Uh, even though I don't use their their insurance company, every marketing campaign feels like a fresh take without losing the core quality of what they're trying to sell and what they're trying to say. And I think Hallmark really has done a great job, at least over the last two or three years to bring new films into the forefront that don't just do the things that we enjoy, but really kind of get you thinking and get you going, wow, I never really was able to express what it meant to lose a dad until 
you know, this character came along and was able to express this in a certain way or what it meant to not have this or to feel like this was all there was. And yet there's actually more to it. And again, it makes me sound like a Hallmark card, but it feels more genuine. It doesn't feel fake. And and that's something that I think is difficult to get over when you're thinking about a Hallmark brand, which prides itself on emotion only, that it's difficult to maybe get past the stigma of, can it really say something underneath the fluff and underneath the sparkle of the, the Hallmark Christmas magic? And, and I think it's starting to. Yeah. And you know what? I, I think it does speak to like the, the X factor there is that I think the people that make these films, you know, year in, year in, probably month in, month out for Hallmark started taking more pride in what they were doing and saying, you know, we have a thing that we're doing here, but, you know, you have actors that are leads of these movies that are now writing them and producing them because they know what a good one is and they know what a bad one is. And you can definitely tell by how hard some of the actors are trying sometimes that they know what this one needs. This one's going to be I'm carrying this one across (laughs) into the end zone. I'm going to have to do this myself, but it doesn't get too self-serious. And that's a big drawback for me of the what people said was Netflix's attempt at getting in on these Hallmark Christmas movies where I'll watch one and the jerk boyfriend will show up to ruin the party, but he is like emotionally abusive. And my wife and I go, oh, see, now we have bad feelings. Now I'm out of this. Hallmark never crosses that line into showing something so triggering or Mm -hmm. that will make you hate watch Uh, because like we're saying in these movies the betrayal happens but it is always at least understandable and we know that it's not going to be relied on to launch a new season of of story (laughs) which makes that a lot easier to take but there is that pride and i think that there is the benefit to having so many of the same cast members doing these is that you get a familiarity with them. You do become fans of specific characters that they're playing, but then it also actually puts the focus on the story that these people have been brought in to tell. Uh, and then I think that's kind of what I'm talking about with the the company of actors too, is it allows the story to shine and it allows those moments. And like you're saying, what is the message that they are trying to add here that is, um, uh, yeah, adoption is one that has happened a lot. Interracial relationships that are not even commented on, you know, inter intersex relationships that are not commented on because this is all a good place of good feelings and, and only yeah. good things happen here. While at the same time, knowing how <laughs> artificial this is in a way that allows my wife and I to sit on the couch and, you know, get teary eyed and sniffle and then remind each other to take a drink uh, <laughs> right. because they, because they've arrived at, you know, someone has a secret here. Right. And at, because there is a formula to it and they know there's a formula to it. I think it was we're always on the lookout for the nutcrackers. Uh, I'm now an expert at discerning a nutcracker from a toy soldier just because <laughs> of these movies. But in a movie this year, we were like 20 minutes in and we have so much fun trying to spot a nutcracker to make the other person drink that when we got to like the 25 minute mark and somebody slowly removed a nutcracker from a suitcase, it was so it was more fun than Endgame for me. You know, so the, the the release on, on our couch of, of just this pent up excitement of they got us 
But it didn't take us out of the story, right? Because we're still in it for the story. But the story was also never so self-serious or heavy that we would be, um, I, you know, I'm not inclined to think that the creators would dislike us doing that. <laughs> well, I, I think it goes back to that whole idea of participation. And participation can look like a number of things. It could be a literal drinking game, as you guys do. But it could be as simple as what my wife and I like to do, which is make funny comments about the obvious. Oh, yep, they're going to get together. When is that going to happen? When's the first kiss going to happen? Because, again, the evolution of Hallmark has been the recognition of it sort of turning its formula on its head. So you'll get maybe a mid-movie kiss, potentially, as opposed to the end. You'll get those 25 minutes in and here comes the nutcracker you'll get a different opening as opposed to new york you'll get chicago there's a lot of movies in chicago working over christmas yep yeah exactly (laughs) yep and i think that there's something interesting about it's almost like not this is not a side-by-side comparison but it's almost like a choose your own adventure story where you are participating in not the choices being made but you walk through like if you if you picked up a choose your own adventure the point behind it is that you could read it over and over again well that's what the hallmark movie is it's a chance to relive similar story beats similar cheese factors similar this and that and at the same time maybe come to a different conclusion and sometimes it comes with most of the time it comes with tears or laughter or you know fun cheesy eye rolls but you know that you're getting something and even the G rating, the family yeah. friendliness of it in that it feels very approachable. Now, however you feel about the evolution of what's being portrayed on screen in terms of how Hallmark has gotten more, I guess you could say more progressive in terms right. of what they're depicting. The fact is that non-commentary would even at the very least allow for a conversation to happen with like my eight-year-old who questions, you know, what's going on there? What is that? That doesn't yeah. make sense. And that opens up a different conversation. Now, that's one that's more serious, one that takes a lot more nuance, but it's not something that's being preached. Something else that Hallmark has going for it is you know there's going to be a happy ending of some kind. There's going to be resolution. And I think that there's something nice about movie watching that Christmas movies have that. There's the miracle before the end. I think it was the very first episode of The Simpsons yeah, yeah. Before, it, before it went on to become the longest running TV show in history. Just to give you a little recap, uh, they have Homer's Christmas bonus and they have Marge's big jar that she hides in her hair, which is hilarious. All this money for Christmas and Homer doesn't get his bonus and Marge has to use all the Christmas money to go uh, get a tattoo removed from Bart's arm that he <laughs> wanted to wanted to. Yeah, get. yeah. So anyway, at one point, he and Homer, Bart and Homer, go to the dog track and use this $13 check that he got from being a a department store Santa to try to get a bunch of money on Christmas Eve. And Bart makes this incredible, you know, cheesy speech about how, you know, it's the miracle that happens at Christmas time. It's the anticipation right before the miracle happens, you know, and at, at that point, they were hoping that the dog that they they bet on would go from last to first. And of course, it doesn't happen because it's The Simpsons. And I think that that's a play off of what happens in Hallmark movies where, you know, you're going to get a happy and you know, you're going to get that miracle. But at the same time, the movies have evolved in a way that say, look, we can tell these stories and we can hit on these types of subjects without getting so engrossed in them that it takes people to another place entirely because people come to these movies to feel good and we can't leave them in a place that's unresolved. There are other movies that do that and that's appropriate, 
but that's not who Hallmark is. And I think that's a testament to them sticking with their brand, even as they've evolved in terms of what they're showing in their films. And I think it's what makes them appealing to a wide audience. My eight-year-old, he will, I said, what do you want to watch tonight? Because we're trying to get through a bunch of Christmas movies. He goes, can we watch a Hallmark movie? And I'm like, (laughs) yes, we absolutely can. But like any eight-year-old, he wants to watch the same stuff that he's already seen. And I'm like, let's pick something else. (laughs) And so my challenge with him is just to find something different, but also something that I've seen because I like familiarity too. Yeah. So, (laughs) so I think that that's, it's something that you have to go into these movie experiences expecting that. And I'm not saying lowering your expectations. I'm saying adjusting them. Yeah, I'll I'll do my obligatory DC mention here. But Patty Jenkins, when she was doing press for Wonder Woman, people were noting about, um, you know, you you are happily risking parts of the movie feeling cheesy in, in its emotion. And she said, I don't like the word cheesy. I, I don't like that because it means that we have started putting negativity on sincerity and sentimentality. And those are real things that were a part of storytelling. Like they were just, that was a part of it. Christmas movies are ripe with it. People want that in those types of stories. I want sentimentality. I want that, you know, I want love to be the answer sometimes (laughs) because if the, if the movie and the story calls for it, that can be really satisfying. And Wonder Woman had that. And I really liked it there, too, that it fit with the character. And and it seemed like that skyrocketed, you know, that movie to worldwide acclaim and success. And oddly enough, supporting actor in Wonder Woman 1984, Christopher Palaha, who plays the, uh, I guess, mild spoiler. He is the Steve Trevor, I guess, co-Steve Trevor with Chris Pine in Wonder Woman 1984 is a Hallmark regular is a, is a terrific one, I should say. He recorded, I don't know how in the world I stumbled on this. He had recorded a message that it was like they would play it over Hallmark Radio or something. And he said, people ask me why I make Hallmark projects. He was the crooked lawyer on Castle. That's That was my first exposure to him. He was the like grand villain who uh, was in the finale trying to kill both of them. Which is a hilarious turn that now he's like my favorite sentimental guy in these movies. But (laughs) he said that people ask and I always say that when you watch a Hallmark movie like these Hallmark Christmas movies, you know that you are going to see a story where everything works out and a story where people are going to stop and realize they can become the best versions of themselves, whether that is pursuing a dream that they are made to do or overcoming and dealing with something in their life that they have to and that they should and that is holding them back. You know that the two people are going to fall in love, at least. You know that there is going to be a kiss and they are going to live happily ever after. But it is depicted as if it is our life. It could happen in our world and it is happening to people who are like us. And there is so much. (laughs) This was years ago that he said this, but even then he said, With the world the way it is, the world can be scary. People can be worried. And a lot of movies and, you know, TV shows can really influence that people keep secrets from each other and secrets destroy things. And um, but happy endings are just stories that haven't finished yet. But if you watch a Hallmark movie, you know that things are going to turn out okay in this story. And I think not not overstating it. That is absolutely a, a part of the reason why we watch it, because. 
<laughs> will be five minutes in and think, well, this guy's too good for this girl. But I know they're going to end up together. So now the question is, we'll have a running commentary as we watch it of how much closer to deserving him is she getting, uh, you know, or yeah. vice versa as these things happen. Or what is the conflict here? Why don't you two just go into business together? Yeah. Uh, you know, and it's fun to look at. I would be lying if I said that it didn't probably on some level influence the way that I look at my actual life hmm. and like the issues that you come into where it's, well, does this need to be so hard? You know, I like it, how much of this is <laughs> me being dramatic because I'm used to people being dramatic in this situation when I see it. Well, I think I think something you said is really interesting in that Hallmark movies are really allegory more than anything else. And something that I think gets lost in that potential stigma is that they're not deep enough or they don't go to the PG-13, the R level, where if somehow you are staying in that quote unquote cheesy realm, as Patty Jenkins does not like to call it, you are sort of giving it an unintentional cheap factor that it doesn't have. I mean, in all honesty, these movies cost money to make. These are actors that are paid well. These are writers who are not just phoning stuff in. At least I would not think so. Yeah. These are directors who are trying to do their thing. And it reminds me a lot of later episodes of TV shows like 90210, where you see some of the cast listed as the director or the or the writer. They're trying to get their hands on the stories and say, hey, we know these characters well enough yeah. that let's try to push this story a little bit further. And granted, that happens a lot in some of your I guess your teen drama, like your Wintry Hills and your 90210s. Yeah. But honestly, for aspiring filmmakers, aspiring actors, this is a great place to cut your teeth, honestly. And it's not because it's inferior. It's because it's it's simplified. It's not overly complex. It's not overly layered. That allegory, I think, speaks to the fact that there are some things that will hit you in places personally that, oh, yeah, I can see how that could affect my life without all the nuance that's necessarily complicated. Look, our lives are complicated enough already. And I think that the movies we see in the theater, those independents, those ones that are really you know, oh. the things that I gravitate towards, like the coming of age. I hit on those because they just reflect a life that I have, that life of like, man, it's hard and it's complicated. And I, I just want to be around people and characters that that are the same way. Hallmark movies, they don't do that because that's not what they're meant to do. They're meant to tell a story that you can relate to, but provide you with an opportunity to feel good at the end saying, you know what? Life could be better. Yeah. Life. And I find myself every year when I watch these thinking, man, it'd be great to live in that town. <laughs> man, it'd be great to have that job. I don't know how they make the economics work. I just, yeah. I mean, it's like, how do you live in that house? You can't do it. It's, it's the Gilmore Girls effect. How does Lorelai Gilmore yeah. afford a house like that when she's, you know, assistant manager of an inn? It's, <laughs> it's that same world, but you suspend that disbelief because you want to be able to absolutely live and breathe and cheer for these characters not because it's like oh yeah those those are me no they're not me i'm yeah. not I, I don't own my own business i don't live in new york i can't i don't look that good that's the, <laughs> for dang sure but i also know that the things that they deal with even if it's on a more simplified level is still true just because something simplified doesn't make it false and i think that that's where hallmark movies for me really succeed is that they allow me to experience the issues of life without being complex and messy even though life is messy it gives me the ability to kind of walk through an allegory of a story and then eventually just say 
okay, man, I'm, <laughs> ah, I feel good because they get together. Or, man, I'm glad that the business is succeeding. I want to buy cookies from that cookies door now. Or I want that end to succeed, and it did. <laughs> and then you move on. So there's a there's a level of innocence that comes from these movies, not not because of their production value, but because of the fact that they choose not to go to those darker places. Totally. And I, and I think it makes them more accessible to a wider audience. And I think that the writers, directors, cast members, producers, all the, the teams involved are starting to realize, look, there's an audience here. You can almost call it an evangelistic tool for the Church of Hallmark, where if they can grab one or two new viewers every year, then it's, you know, from, from a business standpoint, it's more ad revenue. Look, I, I'm subscribed to Touch of Modern now because of, you know, watching Hallmark. <laughs> I've never bought anything and probably won't, but it's got some cool stuff on it. And if anything, Hallmark has <laughs> kind of gotten me a new sponsor that I can, I can check out. Oh, so yeah. I mean, it's, I, I've never done the math, but I, I, the, the last time I looked, they said that the, the films had brought in about half a billion dollars in advertising money. Wow. And if you think, Half a billion dollars for how much could it cost to make one of these movies? And they made 40 of them. Like if you took that <laughs> money and said, we made 40 things and made half a billion dollars um, and spent in the in the hundreds of thousands for a lot of these, you know, a lot of the actors are pulling in a lot of million dollar contracts here a year. But but that also extends across the whole year. We're not getting into the you know year round movies mm -hmm. um, because they pale in comparison. But. But yeah, just the dollars to cents is no wonder they keep saying, let's just make more of these. We're going to do Christmas in July. Uh, we're going to have these movies start basically on October 30th right. because people want people. <laughs> people need it sometimes. <laughs> you know, people need yes. to go to like cookie jar, uh, you know, Wisconsin or something and just <laughs> escape their life and know that like. Oh, well, here's this guy who's the head of a toy company and these, uh, you know, these hawkish, like uh, money grubbing executives are going to tear this company apart. And here's this girl and her local business is, is going in the tubes and they're about to run into each other. And then they basically look at the camera and say, everything's going to be OK. Everything in the story is going to work out OK, because most of the time it does. Right. That's the one lesson you would teach your kids is yeah. hey, it's all going to work out. Right. It may not work out the way that you expect it to, but we're not going to pretend that it is some dramatic tragedy. In all reality, by the end of this, you're going to be going, well, they should have just done this the whole time. Why didn't they just see that this was not a big deal? <laughs> and now we all get to share in the emotional snow and the yeah. kiss at the end. And you saved the town carnival, which who cares? But it was an accomplishment <laughs> for you, like most of the ones in all of our lives. And it was all OK. And we said it was going to be. And now, uh, you know, get up, get a drink. Here's the next one starting. And we're like, all right. Yeah, sure. Let's keep going. Let's yeah, keep going. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Well, this has been good. So I want to ask a, a couple of new questions. I know I don't have a ton of time. Oh, no, yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. I'm I'm I will talk. I will <laughs> talk as long as you want about this homework. <laughs> You know, when the sun starts coming up my time, I think it's time to call it. No, <laughs> we're not recording this late. So your rankings are a great visual aid for a lot of people who are coming into this. Are there specific things you're looking for when you give your star reviews? Are there things that, OK, is there a, a commonality with all these movies that you would review that people can say, OK, if Andrew's going to be my my Hallmark critic, what are some things that he's looking for that make a movie fantastic or make it, uh, you know, one star or less if possible? Yeah, you know, it's it's honestly probably the exact same as any movie. 
which is, you know, like when I consult with with my wife on on the score when the movie ends, it is first and foremost, how glad are we that we watched that? Whether that is this was a fantastic story, this was well acted, well told, didn't know where it was going to go and then really landed at the end. Um, Oh, five stars. That's everything that we would want from one of these movies or a movie that was so all over the place. Bethany Joy Lenz was in one where it was like every single scene was like the start of a different movie. And we were (laughs) our head was spinning. There was like divorce going wrong. Mystery dad. Woman gets in a car accident. What? Like pick we a, are pick a plot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're like, how are these all? Uh, and that's the one that the review ends with. I've never seen my wife cry so hard purely because of the final scene pulled it out so intensely that she just started sobbing. She just dropped her hands and started sobbing on the couch. So that was, you know, that for her, that's a five star movie, even though the the way it would look on the page, you might say, how in the world is this going to work? Uh, but when you put it together into, you know, a hundred and what, 80, you know, 80 minutes, probably. And you have um, a supporting character who just makes this entire thing a delight and is the kind of person you'd want to exist in real life or really selling, you know, a relationship that is like in movies and TV just is always wrong. You know, granted, in this movie, they may say like, hey, sis, <laughs> you know, so everyone knows. But then it's the details. Also, when someone comes in and says, so did mom get after you to bring something? My wife and I probably probably you and your wife look at each other and go, oh, that was smooth. Like they didn't actually have to just fall back on the hey there, sis, because they counted on us. And then they'll just say it in the next sentence, usually. But um, but when there is a genuine chemistry between the leads that they made a point to find or they start tapping into something that you realize like. I'm really more invested than normal in how this is going to play out, whether that's through the script, the acting, supporting characters, knocking it out of the park uh, or the hilariously awful snow uh, imitation snow that is just smattered all over it or the incredibly lush forest just at the edge of frame uh, in December. All of those things contribute to how much fun was this to watch? Not not did this achieve all the feels emotional perfection, but boy, that really was worth the two hours of our time. And we had a lot of fun watching it, which is always the, the bottom line. Even when it is super emotional, I'd be less inclined to give a really sappy movie that goes for the heartstrings i I couldn't give it a five star because it wouldn't have been as fun to watch as one where the leads clearly hated each other (laughs) 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 which can be fun for its own reason and i imagine we'll probably go right over a kid's head but the parents will be like wow she knows that she she is alone on this and she is just having to to carry this story (laughs) and god bless her i'll give her an extra star just for that well, I think that that's a fantastic point is is chemistry. And we talked about that earlier in the episode, but the familiarity of chemistry. So a case in point, John Brotherton and Candace Cameron Bure, they have doubled down on yeah. their relationship from Fuller House. And we recently watched the Christmas contest and they've got fantastic chemistry. And the Christmas contest is one of those movies that follows the formula pretty much but at the same time, the way in which they resolve things feels really fresh. And I don't know that it would necessarily land well for as well for us if we didn't have that familiarity with them as a couple. And of course, I like, I mean, I, of course, Candace Cameron Bury had a crush on her in Full House. But John Brotherton, <laughs> I knew him 
from a 2012 Hallmark movie called Help for the Holidays. I don't know if you ever saw that one. Oh no. That's it's a um it's got now I can't remember the female lead, but she was in Firefly as I think the the alien, uh the kind of the weird alien. I can't remember her name. Oh, now. so this is like this is like the blade era of Marvel movies. Like this is the before the <laughs> modern era, right? Yes. Yeah. But she and Brotherton, they don't have as great as chemistry as he and Burray do, but it's still a lot of fun. And it's very much lighthearted and it's cute. Like that would be the thing is it leans heavily into the cute factor, but that's a rewatchable for us. And that's another question I wanted to ask you. Are there Hallmark movies that you've seen in the last three or four years that are like, I definitely want to rewatch that? Or are these kind of one-offs because of the sheer amount of Christmas movies they get pumped out every year? Yeah, like I, we, we can't help but feel guilty wasting <laughs> an hour and a half on one we've already seen. Um <laughs> Okay, the number one answer to this is technically not a Hallmark movie. So this is controversial. But if you are watching these like uh, in syndication or something, they will absolutely be broadcast in your area. And that is Snowed in Christmas. I believe it was a lifetime. But in truth, it's one of the ones that like is done by the production houses that do all of these. So on some level, it is nitpicking. But it is two reporters filing a story who are sent off to work and they get diverted to uh, Christmas, the town, and end up staying at a bed and breakfast that seems suspiciously to be run by Santa Claus and Mrs. Claus. And the two have such fantastic chemistry from the first scene. It is the epitome of feel good drama. You know, it never strays into anything uncomfortable. One comes from a real family background. The other never had that. And it is just if we're talking about movies that studio movies wish they could put together a movie with the bones and, you know, the strength here uh, that is on display. So Snowden Christmas absolutely always watched every year. That is a strong recommend. Have you seen it? I have not. No, oh I want God. to because it's Bethany Joy Lens. I mean, I have to. Yep. And, and Andrew, <laughs> I mean, come on. This is just <laughs> right. You're, you're making me want to just like not even get any sleep tonight because I want to watch this now. Oh, but so good. But the, but there are other networks that do the same thing where we have rewatches. ABC Family actually became part of our, our watch list. We, we watch every year. We do 12 Dates of Christmas with uh, okay. Mark Paul Gossler. It's a, it's a take on the well, it's essentially, a, you know, a redo like Groundhog Day for Christmas. Okay. And then we also do Holiday in Handcuffs, which sounds kinky, but it's not. And it's got Mario Lopez. Yep. And um, that's a that's a standard for us. And those are those are both ABC family movies. But there are also standards of Hallmark that we watch when we can, because, again, you're right. If you're dedicated to Countdown to Christmas, you're like, why am I putting two hours in my limited amount of movie watching towards old movies? But I think it falls in that same kind of line of thinking that you know what you're getting, you know what you're going to, you're going to feel something. And it's why we rewatch movies in general. And I think for the holidays, I've just kind of accepted the fact that I can't watch everything that we own. I can't watch everything or rewatch everything. So a lot of times, like the TV shows that I have from years past, I'll just cue those up in the background as I'm, as I'm working (laughs) (laughs) because I don't need to have, I don't need to pay attention to those things. I won't. I'll say that it may be on definitely. So I may not be watching all of it, but every year now the trilogy 
of Evergreen Christmas movie, or I believe quadrilogy now yes. of Christmas and Evergreen. Now it's just you absolutely have to have to. There's no question. One yeah. after the other. You have to do a Lord of the Rings-esque rewatch. <laughs> I love it. Yes. So that brings me to my next question and something that Hallmark has been doing recently, which is sequels. Never yep. thought I would see Hallmark. A shared universe. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's going to be the next step, right? It's going to yep. be like, oh, my gosh, these characters from Next Stop Christmas are going to appear in yeah. the, the next iteration <laughs> of uh, of Evergreen. And you know, why would that happen? Because they can. And I think that's a really interesting move to actually create sequels. But I think it's doubling down on that chemistry and recognizing yep. that it's not just actors that we enjoy watching together. It's the characters that they embody that we really enjoy. I watched over Thanksgiving, there was a premiere of a new movie called The Nine Kittens of Christmas, Mm -hmm. which was a direct sequel to this movie, Nine Lives of Christmas. And it just happened to come on prior to the premiere of this new one. I have no idea why they did that. That's just crazy. But Brandon (laughs) Rouse in it. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Superman, are you kidding me with this? Yep. And it was phenomenal. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Of course, I'm a big fan of cats, bigger fan of dogs. But seeing how you take the ending of movie A and then you're like, wait a minute, you've got the resolution here. Did they break up? What happened? And yeah. it just kind of leans into it's been, what, five years later. And now she's living in Miami. She's got her own vet and he's still a fireman. And somehow these cats um, are <laughs> are coming back but the cats become characters and you're like oh my gosh she lost her cat and he still has his and it's really really great but it's again it's it's not something that you're trying to find something overly dramatic but it's something that i thought was really interesting that i'm like okay well how do you create a successful formula that would invite a sequel to happen and you're mentioning the evergreen quadrilogy i think is what it is at this point (laughs) and I think recently there was the uh, Sister Swap is another one. Yes. Yep. Where, where you have uh, Kimberly real life Williams yeah. sisters, right? Yeah. They now have sequels to them. And yeah, <laughs> I just again, I think it's I think it just speaks to the evolution of the brand where they're like, we know what's working and we're going to continue to pump these things out in, in meaningful ways. Exactly. You Lord knows you only needed to invest in a single street to convince me that Evergreen is a place. A single street and a truck, and I'm in. And for anyone who doesn't know, like the movie starts with the the parents, Barbara Niven, the mother. They own the cafe. We meet the mayor. All of these things we go through. We tell the story as it relates to the lead character. And then they decided, well, we should just make another one of these for next year, where all of the characters are the same because, but it's someone else from out of town. And that was again, Jill Wagner, all star, first ballot Hall of Famer who then gets to play that role. So we are more familiar with the characters than she is, which is where they were like, ooh, we're on to something here because we're blurring the line between a, a type of show that you want to watch and a, and a serial that you come back to. And then the third one uh, was just doubling down on that with, a, I think, a cameo from now the daughter from the first one back in it. And then the fourth movie was the supporting character through all of these is now the lead. And that was... What a a fantastic notion that they had to if people like this place and they like the energy of this place, well, let's just build out the history of this town, you know, and that it's it's a weird cross between a TV show and and movies, which anyone who watches like the, the rest of Hallmark 
oh my God, if I was a, if I was a 55 year old woman, this would be my dream come true because it's just <laughs> flower shop mysteries. It's just like homicide 101 where it's all these same cast members that are doing like eight, two hour long movies in a season with a lot of this chemistry, all of the same stuff. And again, you know, all these people. <laughs> so that makes it the fun thing. For context here of why this has surpassed the MCU or DCEU is we had one movie where the leads were on their way to like home for Christmas. They stopped to get hot chocolate and Tyler Hines, who is a regular lead, walked out to deliver their order and said, here are your hot chocolates. Enjoy. And my wife and I obviously were stunned and turned to each other and said that that couldn't have been his only role in this movie. It absolutely was. Oh, God. So so now we're sitting there thinking, is this going to be a different movie where we're going to see this scene from his perspective? Are they actually doing that now? But then what they do instead is in that guy's next movie where he's the lead. They're in a bar and we're standing there and in the background of the scene, as it's kind of like the establishing shot, in walks Andrew Walker, the male lead from the previous movie. (laughs) And we automatically stop and look at him because we're absolutely used to seeing him as the lead of a movie and he's just in the background. And he walks up to the maitre d' and says, "Uh, Walker for two. And then she directs him (laughs) off stage. So then my wife and I are sitting here, minds blown more than anything the MCU could ever compete with as we sit here (laughs) trying to figure out, was this just a joke? And more than that, how many other cameos have they put into these other movies? Yeah. Because they are clearly now saying, wouldn't it be so much fun? And they being like the writers, the directors and the actors themselves. Sure. Saying, wouldn't it be so fun if we just walked through one scene because everyone watching this will recognize it and will know instantly oh my god that was so funny because you're probably all filming these things back to back next to each other anyway right (laughs) and there's no other place that that could happen right i mean maybe covid made that more um you know achievable but the dad from evergreen he has these red glasses they're just his glasses my wife and i saw him in a different thing and they're just his glasses It's the most remarkable thing about him, the most quaint thing about Evergreen. And now we look at that and say, Malcolm, those are just your glasses. God bless you, sir. You'll always be her dad to us. (laughs) Even when he plays a mean executive in the next movie, we're like, this is great range for him, but he's got the glasses. So we know that this one is pretend. Yeah. (laughs) And you can't talk about you can't you just can't talk about anything else in the way that we talk about this. Right. Like in our drinking game. It is if you spot the actor and name what they were in, then everybody else watching it has to drink. But if you make the fatal error of saying, oh, and then everybody looks at you and says, name it. What are they from? What are they from? If you draw a blank, you have to finish yours. Oh, gosh. Because that is and someone who hasn't seen a lot of these would be like, that's weird. But then when you've seen the second one, you're going, that guy was the older brother of the girl who was opening up the cookie shop. And everyone goes, oh, he was. You're right. Damn. (laughs) Good on you for remembering that. Um, Again, not breaking the fiction, but absolutely making it a a spectator sport. And again, acknowledging, oh, I like that guy. I got to watch out for him more. Man, it just man, my mind is blown because I have not been making these connections. I've just been watching these movies <laughs> independently. And I'm now feeling like at the beginning of this conversation, I was like, we're brothers. And now I feel like I'm that long lost cousin that just needs to get 
up to speed on things. Like I feel like I've just wasted my holiday season by rewatching stuff that I love instead of being like, look, I need to get into Evergreen more and I need to start looking at these things. So the interconnected I, web. Yes, yeah. this is the yes, this <laughs> is the shared universe that I did not know potentially existed. And it's it's so smart, though, to think that that could be it. It reminds me, I don't know if you're familiar with William Faulkner, the author, yep. but he has this, his own, I think he was the originator of the shared universe, where he has mm-hmm. this town in Mississippi called Yachnapatafa. All of his books took place in this town, and where you'd have major characters in book A, they became minor characters in book B, but they still existed. And they were just like how you described, where you would read a paragraph and it would refer to this one character that was like the main protagonist in Go Down Moses, but then would be saying something just completely independent or unnecessary in Sound and the Fury. He would just craft this entire world around these characters and would use them that way where they would become background. And it's just like, man, how smart is that? And the thing is, what what you're saying is that it doesn't have to be that way. It's not like they're trying to connect this universe. It's not like there's a, a Kevin Fahey sitting at the helm and saying, <laughs> guys, it's 2021. I've been here for 50 years and we need to be able to connect all these stories. Now, I'm pretty sure that this has been a, you know what, let's have some fun here. And I think yeah. the, when they started moving to sequels, when they started bringing in regular actors to do these movies like your Candace Cameron Berets, I think that they start realizing that, you know what, we can have more fun here. And then it creates that communal aspect beyond the drinking games, although that's fun, but more <laughs> into this idea of you're getting that sense of, ooh, 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 you get that reaction because of the fact that you remember, oh, yeah, the father was actually the uncle in this other story that I remember. And, oh, I remember that was a great story. I went had that actor who was also in this. And so in yep. real life, now you have this six degrees of Hallmark at that point. This is a real place. Is it, <laughs> right? It's a real place. It's either in New York or Chicago or, or towns in between. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It, yeah. I don't know if, you know if it's in L.A. or a place that doesn't have those snow. aerial shots. Yeah, boy, they all look really similar. They really do. I love that B-roll. Love that (laughs) B-roll. But it just, it makes the experience of watching these things so much more fun because there's layers to it. Mm -hmm. And it gets beyond what you already enjoy, which is the feel goods and the, it's going to be all right in the end and more about the expansion of the Hallmark brand. And I think that if you could call the enjoyment of the movies independently and the feels as sort of like level one hallmark. I think that other networks like Lifetime, like you mentioned, to an extent, uh, Netflix doing their own version of of hallmark movies, they're at level one. And this is where I think hallmark has really just said, okay, we've established often yep. imitated, never duplicated. You guys can have level one. We're on level three and four, yeah. but we're still doing well. We we're reinventing ourselves. I mean, they are the Madonna of TV networks. It's essentially <laughs> like they've basically said, look, we need to evolve with the times and whether or not you're on board with the, the way in which they're going, you can't help but respect the fact that they are evolving. But again, it just feels natural. It feels like, yep, this makes sense. I mean, this is the world that we're living in. So if we want to create more representation, let's do it in a way that doesn't break our brand. Yep. And the the actors who are often more and more the executive producers or writers or, you know, story by they're not muzzled. You know, they are on Twitter promoting the the Christmas house, which had uh, which was about several members of the same family, one of them being 
a, a married same-sex couple that was hoping to adopt. And that was just built into the family drama. And it was a matter of they were showing that on Twitter and the cast members were saying, I'm so proud to be um, in this story that these people will be seeing and people who would reply and say, uh, I don't know why you needed why you wanted to do this. Uh, they would all just say, well, we wanted to represent more people. If you don't want to watch this, then please don't. This isn't being rammed down. Your, God knows we're making like 45 of these things a year. Not every one of them needs to be explicitly for you. Um, yeah. But it's also just like as they've been doing it, I think the bottom line is it is feeling more and more like the kinds of sparks and exchanges and just relationships that I see in my regular life, like among yeah. my friends. And I realize that I'm kind of oblivious to that. But I will say this when a guitar player and a maitre d' or a hotel, you know, check in, see each other and make a connection. And my wife and I realize that non leads are going to make a love connection in this film. The last thing in our mind is what their sexes are. We are on cloud nine realizing, oh, we just we just put whipped cream on this Sunday. Now, we didn't even know this was going to be here. <laughs> you know, now we get to watch this play out as a will they won't they or will she will she right? Obviously, people will have their own responses to it, and I, I totally respect that. But like you said, it is progressive in the way that I would hope they would be after years of, you know, people saying, uh, boy, they, it is white and white, you know, is, is what they were doing for a long time. And I think people at Hallmark who have been open about that, that, you know, it, things needed to change and we're changing and they'll take the heat. Lord knows they took heat over the last mm. couple of years, but they, again, it seems like every single person making these movies just wants to make people watching them forget about their life for an hour and a half or two hours mm -hmm. and feel good. And um, you're telling me if we start doing this, we can make more people feel good. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a. I think it's a it's a pretty it's a very stable brand. That's yes, sure. exactly. Yeah. I, I think it 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 really, in some ways, I feel like the Hallmark movie, the Hallmark Channel, has really kind of outpaced the the greeting card or the oh, store. Yeah. Uh, I don't think when I think Hallmark, I think movies at this point. I don't think of greeting cards or or the stores or trinkets or Star Wars ornaments, although those things are nice and nice and dandy. But I I think that it whether by accident design forcing yourself in 40, you know, 40 movies a year or, <laughs> or not what they've done, I think is, is pretty sick. It's successful. And I don't yeah. think that whether or not you like the brand, whether or not you like the types of movies that, that are going to be coming your way. And look, I think that's the great thing about having a lot of variety that there are going to be movies that I personally do not agree with in terms of what's being portrayed. There are going to be stories that I just do not get not, yeah. not my thing. It doesn't make the brand tainted it just means that it that movie is not for me and i think that's why i double down on some of my rewatches is that i know that every year if i if i queue up help for the holidays i'm gonna get a i'm gonna get <laughs> what i what i get and i'm not gonna throw a fit and i'm gonna enjoy it but then there are more recent ones that that i've really taken to and when we watch a when we watch a new one i'll always ask my wife is that one you'll want to watch again she goes yeah i think so yeah and, and if i if we both agree then we'll just kind of keep it on our radars like okay when it comes back up we'll make sure to to record that or find a way to get it <laughs> offline so that we can keep it without the commercials i don't <laughs> yep. know I mean, but there's a lot of value in knowing that you can either watch or rewatch uh, these movies knowing that they're going to have something for everybody and 
I can't have FOMO. I really can't be. You can obviously yep. get that with a lot of these. And I just have to say, okay, wait, let me give my own criteria. Okay. If it's got these actors in it, I'm going to check it out. Or oh, yes. if, you know, if it's got, if it takes place in Wisconsin or Massachusetts or, you know, pick your, pick your state, you know, that could be your criteria. And I think that that's another great thing about the Hallmark movies is I don't think any of these folks are thinking, oh yeah, they're going to watch all these. There's a common thing said in my household. I need a Lacey one tonight. Or right. I can't do I can't do the Kelly Pickler one. I just can't. <laughs> you know, like I'm just not. I cannot go there right now with you. Um, we'll have to wait. And th- like you're saying, a genre. The genres within the genre that exist. I will say, you know, the next stop Christmas, like the Back to the Future. I had more conversations about time travel logic. As we were watching that movie, <laughs> than I had during like Tenet or Interstellar, because and and again, that's a perfect case where the first one of the first things that this woman does, which would never happen in another movie, is she tells someone what's happening to her, and that makes right. the rest of the story infinitely interesting, because they say, well, what is the point of this? actually happening and it's the exact same question that we're asking on the couch which is what you never get from a time travel story is people acknowledging that they are in a time travel story so props to them for that but yeah sure but the the genres within the genre it should also be said i we tried watching some of the harvest um hallmark movies and then we realized honestly this thing being set at christmas is like 60 percent of the plot that's exactly right. That's that was gonna be my next question. Is <laughs> you hinted at it, but I figured I'd go ahead and ask it bluntly. Is the Chris, you know, is Hallmark Christmas where you start and stop? And it sounds like it is because, well, there's just volume, but also, yeah, Christmas is why you want to watch these. It is. It's so much outside of, um, you know, it's why Shane Black said his movies. Then, right, is there is so much you don't need to say. If it's at Christmas, it is such a um, it is. Oh, and, and Hanukkah, I should say, you know, for more and more that they're making now, in, they started doing Christmas slash Hanukkah ones, which were a lot of fun. Uh, and now they're just doing Hanukkah ones where there is so much at that time of year. Um, I'm a Canadian. I know for Americans, it would be even more. So maybe there are Thanksgiving movies that I just wouldn't connect with as much. But um, it fills in so much of the story to say, like, hey, look. We all know November and December. We all know where those times we've had where, boy, I'm dreading going home (laughs) to talk with my family or things are going really well or I think things are going really well. And going back means meeting people that I haven't seen in a long time, meeting people that I'm not expecting to see. When you take those movies and say, like, it's in July and it's a it's a version of The Bachelor. It's the same actors. It's the same writers. <laughs> like, I can't emphasize that enough. It is right. literally everybody is the exact same doing this. Uh, you know, Lacey Chabert is the lead. I know that some people would love that just as much, but we have acknowledged that Christmas is where it's at for us. And then Hallmark throws along and says, you know, we got Andrew Walker and Bethany Joy Lenz and they're in a wine country movie. And my wife and I are like, we can't. We can't. <laughs> It's like we cheating just, on your cheating on your wife. You can't do that. It just it's we not. can't. Yeah, we'll be waiting for the for the Christmas tree lighting ceremony, you know, or the empty <laughs> cups. What are they carrying around that's empty? Like you can't carry an empty wine glass. There's too many questions I don't want unless to know. Unless it's the frosted, to. maybe. Unless the wine glass is frosted, maybe. Oh yeah, or it's like a solid. They just put like Jello 
Yeah. In the glass. <laughs> but it doesn't move. That's the thing. These are questions I don't want to ask and answers I don't want to even. Yeah. Yeah. That just ruins the fantasy right there. No. Oh, man. Well, Andrew, this has been fantastic, man. I'm so glad you uh, you took time out to, to have this discussion. Listeners, if you are still listening to this, hopefully <laughs> you are either a fan already or you have become a fan. Before we leave, Andrew, is there a particular movie you could recommend? I won't say as a primer, but maybe like, hey, this is a five star for me. I'd recommend it's a it could be a rewatchable. Uh, is there one out there that you would recommend for our listeners? Let me. Yes. There are. I, I've said Snowden Christmas. I feel like that is a great first one. That that ticks all the boxes. Um, even though it's not Hallmark, but it definitely. Even though it's on Hallmark, Hallmark it 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 might as well be. Yeah. Sure. Um, you know what? It's what Hallmark in hashtag all the ways that matter. Okay. Um, but but there are. That would be the one that I would call out um, as a terrific first one. Christmas cookies is another great one that will introduce you to Jill Wagner, who I, I've mentioned at length here underrated compared or under discussed compared to Candace Cameron Bure and um, Lacey Chabert. But I'm going to call out either Christmas cookies or controversial Christmas and evergreen letters to Santa. Ooh, the sequel. Okay. The I think sequel. I called it the best sequel since the dark Knight. <laughs> <laughs> and I stand by that. Okay. Um, you heard it here first guys. You yes. Heard it here. You um, can I plug my, uh, my drinking game here as well? Yes, please do. Okay. Please do. I believe this is my pinned tweet. All of this from like October on. This is not self like aggrandizing here. My wife and I put hours into refining this game. You can print out the rules and split them in two, making it a team sport. Uh, so if you have someone who is hesitant to play, you are giving them a list that is uniquely their own to attack with, uh, which we have found works incredibly well. But more than anything, it's about a three drink minimum. There's so many kinds of science and alchemy and actual math went into this. So please benefit from from my hard work and um it only makes the viewing experience richer. And if you are starting off with Snowden Christmas or Christmas cookies or Christmas and Evergreen Letters to Santa, they have some fantastic moments built in. Uh, you can find that on my on my Twitter at Andrew B. Dice. I will pitch it now and say that go there, share it with a friend. We saw a Hallmark Christmas drinking game before we ever watched one. And then we watched one and said, we need to make one that hits we need to devote hours to this is really what we said. <laughs> and now that we have, please, please make that worth it and, and enjoy the spoils of, of all of that work. That's great. And uh, in case anybody's interested in my opinion, which there may not be, because that's a great way to finish. <laughs> I would say the two that I would recommend of the lighthearted as much as you can with love. Christmas is a great one. It's a little secret Santa based yep. based movie. Really good one. And then one that's going to going to probably hit you pretty hit you pretty deep. Uh, I mentioned this before a Christmas love story with Kristen Chenoweth. It's got more of serious tones, but definitely one of them. I would call it the more matured yep. Hallmark movies. So I would say if you're gonna if you're gonna have a couple to to get yourself started, start with with Love Christmas. Lots of fun there. Lots of snow, fake and real. I think maybe definitely fake, <laughs> but lots of uh, good stuff. 
All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. Uh, Andrew, again, thank you for coming on. And we hope that uh, you've enjoyed listening as much as we've enjoyed talking about this. Um, Andrew, where can people find you if they want to talk more about this or anything else? Uh, yes, please talk to me about this directly on Twitter at Andrew B. Dice, D-Y-C-E. And you can find my writing and editing work um, at ScreenRant.com. And if you'd like to take an extra dive into insanity, uh, you can listen along to my podcast, BVS by the Minute where myself and a co-host re-watch Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice one single minute at a time and break them down in conversations usually ranging between 25 to 50 minutes. <laughs> so uh, if you want to hear more about hear more of his voice on our show, we did uh, an episode way back in the day, back in 2016, uh, when we were talking about some of the negative film criticism and fandom that uh, was surrounding just things like BVS, the reason that we started our podcast. Yeah. And Andrew was happy to come along. We can also, You can also catch him on other episodes related to uh, DC specifically, like Joker. And uh, I think he was on for Shazam, Aquaman. I mean, yeah, all the big ones. Waterworld. And- what Waterworld, Troy. Yeah, so not just DC. <laughs> Lots of good stuff. Lots of good stuff. So anyway, Andrew, appreciate you, man. And uh, we hope you guys have enjoyed it. Later. Hey, everyone. Thanks again for listening. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love to hear from you. You can leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. These help increase visibility for the show and grow our community of listeners like you. We also invite you to connect with us further by joining our ever-growing Facebook discussion group. A link to that is in the show notes, or you can just search on Facebook and find us that way. If you'd like to continue the conversation with me, you can follow the show on Twitter, at Film, or connect with me in the Facebook group. I'm very active in both places, and I'd love to chat. And if you want to connect with me, you can find me at Shoeless Patch on both Facebook and Twitter, but be sure to tag me in any comments so that I'll be notified and not miss you. Once again, thank you for listening. We'll be back soon. Until then, stay positive. And keep feeling film.